Welcome to Stripped Money Conversations. Welcome to a place where anybody can learn or talk about money. Whether you're young or whether you're old. Whether you're married to the love of your life or even if you're married to your career. Whether you have kids, are planning to have kids or even if you're one of those people who just prefers pets. Whether you're established or just entering the working world, welcome to a place where our conversations are not based on your bank balance, no, 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 but they're based on your unique needs and ambitions. I am your host, Lungile Mashiko. Remember that this show does not provide financial advice. These are just conversations between me and my guests, but I'd like to invite you on the journey so you and I can learn together. What is Bitcoin? What is cryptocurrency? We are going to get straight into that on this episode. Welcome to Strip Money Conversations, everyone. I am your host, Lungile Mashiro. Remember when Bitcoin rose to over $42,000 per coin in January and then crashed? And then we've recently experienced another crash in June. I've always been such a skeptic when it comes to all the Bitcoin hype. I don't own any cryptocurrency myself and when people ask me for advice on the matter, I usually say that I consider it to be like any other alternative investment in that invest what you can afford to lose. And then I also say I don't invest in something that I don't understand. Well, hopefully today we get a little bit more information and we understand better. So maybe we can get into this cryptocurrency craze. Maybe. Joining me today is Marius Rietz. He's really at the forefront in many ways, especially here in South Africa. He is the general manager for Africa at Luno, which is Africa's leading cryptocurrency platform. Marius, welcome to Strip Money Conversations. Are you ready to talk about crypto? Hello, Gile. Yes, I'm ready. Let's uh, talk about the new magic internet money. <laughs> cool. So there's curiosity, if I may speak for our audience. We are curious about it we obviously have heard about it but what is crypto and why is it so difficult to understand yes um that's a that's a good question and i think i, I still often ask myself you know the question you know, do, do you really do you really get it so i, I think at the very core you know crypto is the first um you know uh, public digital public payments infrastructure so if, if we think about the way in which we currently interact with banks in the payment system, you, you, know, you work through private entities. So if you want to do a payment from your bank to another bank, it, there's a private entity, you have to, they have to go into their records, their ledger and their books, bank A and debit and credit and bank B must debit and credit. And, and so you've got two entities uh, involved, two middlemen, um, and they have to process the transaction and uh, now that creates some friction, there's time delay, there's a cost delay because of the parties involved. Um, and, and, and so with crypto, um, the very core of it is that it's peer-to-peer money. So um, it's, you know, it's almost if you compare it to cash, cash is public money. Cash is the only public money we really have because um, with cash you can do in-person payment without the need you know, to have a bank or, or a, 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 an intermediary you know, facilitating the cash transaction. You meet with someone in person, you hand them the cash, they hand you the goods, and it's done. The downside is that you have to meet someone in person, and it's obviously for security reasons, you don't want to carry large sums of cash around. Yeah. So, you know, if we look at the information sector, you will see that, you know, websites, email, that is 
that's public infrastructure from a communications perspective, and it's called the internet. So it's open, everyone can use it. It's peer-to-peer, there's no intermediaries. You don't need permission to send an email um, and, and someone to facilitate that. So with Bitcoin, we have public digital public money. So you've got money that you can, can be transferred between person A and person B um, without the need you know, for an intermediary to process that transaction. And I think that's at very core, that's what it was created for public peer-to-peer money. Um, And and that breaks down borders because you can send transfer value from person A to person B regardless of the nationality or regardless um, of of where they're based. Mm. Um, So it's obviously a little bit more than that, but but that's the the, the fundamental. So so it's it's, um, removing the dependency on a third party like a bank or central bank to manage and to process and, and you know, really removing complexity, removing cost, removing uh, time and you know, difficulty in, in transacting. Okay, that's that's actually quite a good breakdown. I never looked at it that way. I've always heard all of these background um, words like blockchain and all of that in trying to explain it, but that just made it quite simple for me to understand. Um, but just as a one-on-one for all of us, including myself, what is the difference between cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, or where, where, how, how does one, how do they fit? So, so Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. So, if you look at the the rand, um, the rand is a type of fiat currency. So, uh, currencies we use, so the dollar, the rand, the Nigerian naira, those are referred to as fiat currencies. The RAND is a form of fiat currency. Bitcoin is a form of cryptocurrency. And Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency to come into existence. And it is the most popular, the most established, um, with the best track record. Um, and, and, and so it's the most popular one. So when, if someone decides to, you know, they, they're interested, they want to learn more about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin would be the safest one to, to, to start with. Um, mm-hmm. It's the one that's more widely, most widely used. So... What I mean by that is if you have a Bitcoin, it's more likely that you'll be able to use that Bitcoin to pay someone um, or to pay for goods than it would be of any of the other cryptocurrencies. It's most widely accepted. And I think, I won't say most widely understood, but it's the one that people are most familiar with. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And with that said, how do you invest in Bitcoin or how do you buy Bitcoin? I know that's a very rudimentary question. But if you can answer that very quickly for us. So let's say somebody's listening to the show and they're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Maria said that you can invest in Bitcoin. How do they do that? Okay, so maybe we, if you take a step, I'm not sure if you've got this question coming up as well, but maybe take a step back and look at mm-hmm. why people invest in Bitcoin. Yes. Um, so, so Bitcoin was created firstly as a, as a payment, B2B a payments network. Mm-hmm. But it has certain properties like for example it has limited supply so similar to gold um the gold resources will run dry some some time in the future um it has a finite supply um bitcoin has a market as a, a supply cap of 21 million so a lot of people see that you know and 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 and, and that makes bitcoin a puts bitcoin a deflationary supply curve so central banks, on the other hand, they've got the ability to print additional units of currency. And we see mm-hmm. that happen in the US with the Federal Reserve announcing massive uh, you know, programs to put additional money into the, into the system. And that creates fear 
and it creates an uncertainty around inflation. Because if you increase the money supply, what happens is it usually leads to some form of inflation over the medium to, to long term. So people see Bitcoin firstly as a payment rail, so it has utility. People can use it for something. It's not just a random token. It can be yeah. used to, to, to transact. And secondly, people see it as an investment because of the fact that um, you know, it has a limited supply and it, it is scarce. So if you, you know, interested in buying or investing in Bitcoin, and obviously we're not allowed to give financial advice, but yes. you're going to have to go through your process and your site to, you know, to obviously figure out, you know, do I have you know, money left um, you know, to pay for my school, control my school fees and put money into my retirement savings, et cetera. If you have some money left after you've gone through your budget and you've paid all the, um, you know, you've covered all the necessary expenses and you have money left, then you can, of course, you know, you can put money into Bitcoin. And the easiest way of doing that, and, and that's what Luno, uh, Luno is focusing on SAE. So we make it easy for people to convert their rands into cryptocurrency and vice versa. So you can open an account um, at Luno. Um, you can install the Luno app. You can visit Luno.com. Go through the process, similar process to, to when you open up a bank account online. You have to provide some information to us. We need to identify you. Um, and once you've done that, then you can send rands to your Luna account and then you can purchase Bitcoin. Now, and if, you, if your strategy is to trade short-term or speculate, you know, a lot of people do that. It's very risky because the price will go up and it will come down. Okay. So it's very difficult to time the market. Then you can sell your Bitcoin for rands and you can withdraw the rands back to your bank account. So it's, it's in some way very similar. Now, when you look at Easy Equities or another mm -hmm. investment company, you install the app, you verify yourself, you buy the shares, you can sell it, and you can cash out again. So similar concept. Okay, uh, sounds simple enough. And um, compared to what we are normally used to um, when banking with a financial institution, for example, I'd swipe my card and, that, and then that virtual money gets sent out into, into the world somewhere. How does this differ? Is it better? Is it more efficient? Is it going to someday override the traditional banking system in your opinion? Um, so, uh, so a basic cryptocurrency transaction you know, would, would, would be similar to you um, sending money to someone else's bank account, if you think about it. So if you make a payment on your online banking, you need the recipient's bank account number. So you type in that number into, on your online banking and you send the payment. Then there's the process in the back end. So the bank must uh, debit your account. The receiving bank must receive the funds and credit the recipient's account and, and so forth. Um, with Bitcoin, similar process. So if you want to send Bitcoin from your account to someone else, you have to get that other person's Bitcoin address and that person must give it to you. So when you create, when you open your account, you will get a Bitcoin address. You send Bitcoin to that address. Mm -hmm. But similar to how you send RANDs to a bank account number. But the difference is that unlike in the event of sending RANDs, there's no... Uh, intermediary having, having to process that. So it's direct peer-to-peer -peer payment. So it's faster and it's also cheaper to send, to send Bitcoin um, you know, um, compared to swiping a card, which will incur a 2% fee most of the time or you know, there will be a feeling to that. So, but what we're seeing now, interesting, is, is Visa and MasterCard announced their plans and, and Visa is planning on launching a, a crypto-backed card. So now... You, you've got a crypto, you've got a Visa card with the Visa mm -hmm. logo, a you know, credit yeah. card. Um, it has crypto on it, 
And you can swipe that card. You can pay for things online. You spend crypto, but the, the, the shop or the merchant will receive rand. So they make it possible for us to spend our Bitcoin, um, mm. you know, and pay for goods in Bitcoin. So, but, but, but I have to, you know, a lot of people use it for payments, but the, the overwhelmingly, you know, popular use case at this point is people buying Bitcoin to, uh, to, to invest. So different types, you know, people investing longer term, people investing on a monthly basis. Mm. The benefit of that is that if you buy a, a fixed amount on a monthly basis, then you average out your cost price over time. So you don't have to worry about, you know, am I, am I getting in too high? Um, you know, because you will continue buying through the dips and through the, 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 the highs, you will continue to buy on a regular interval. And then people speculate. So they, you know, they're perhaps greedy and they think that they can make a quick buck because everyone else is making money and the Bitcoin price is growing. But in between the growth, there's lots and lots of up and downs. The price can pull back three, four, five percent in you know 24 hours, and then it can increase again. Timing that is very difficult. Now, even seasoned traders that uh, traders that trade forex and trade kind of uh, uh, stocks, they also struggle with that. So if you knew you 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 don't own crypto yet, um, and you knew, and you don't know how to trade, very few people know how to trade. Really, yeah. you know, it's it's not something that everyone. So if you're interested, just Open an account and deposit 20 or 30 bucks. You don't have to deposit 5,000 Rand because you think you won't be able to earn a return. Start small with 20, 30, 40 Rand. Buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. Now, one Bitcoin is worth just under 900,000 Rand now. Now, no one has got the money to do that. So start, yeah, start with a fraction, 50 Rand, and, and then figure out, you know, do a payment, you know, as we discussed now. Type in the Bitcoin address of the, the other person, your friend, send the Bitcoin to that person. Uh, you know, buy and sell, um, and, and then figure it out first. And, and I think that's the important part. People getting greedy, they're wanting mm. to, you know, make big bucks. But we understand that also because we're in, in difficult, you know, we're in it's tough times. You know? So yeah. we, um, you know, so people speculate and they become greedy, and that's where people burn their fingers. Okay. Um, and then how do you, I mean, you talk about, people testing it out and understanding that how it works before they use it. Do you think that um, we will get to a point where it rolls off the tongue for every, everyone, you know, just like, you know, how we say, I'll e-word at you something. Would somebody say, I will Bitcoin you something or whatever you call it. Do you think we'll get there soon? Um, I think we'll get there, but not soon. We People must realize that, um, so people must realize that we still, even though Bitcoin is a buzzword, you know, and you see it in the media and on the news and on the radio, it's still very, very new. If you mm. walk into a restaurant and you start asking people at tables, you know, do you own Bitcoin? Probably 5% will probably will maybe say yes. So it's still very, very new. And for something to be used as a payment method, as wide as that, there must be a network effect. So Let's use Facebook, for example. People use Facebook Marketplace to sell goods because lots of other people use it to buy and sell goods. So yeah. it's there's a big network. Crypto, we don't have it at this point. Um, so so you won't open up Bitcoin account with the view of sending, doing uh, you know, frequent payments because one out of 10 people will have a Bitcoin account. So mm-hmm. that's what we at know. That's that's our focus. You know? so, so it is to... Um, introduce people to cryptocurrency in a responsible way. And most people enter the space or they, 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 they 
get skin in the game through buying a small amount of Bitcoin. So yeah. you buy a small amount of Bitcoin, you, 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 and, and that gives you skin in the game and you then start to follow the news on Twitter, you read the news, you understand what influences the Bitcoin price, what are the risks, what should I look out for? And I think, you know, over a period of time, we will reach that critical mass of consumers, of people, that will make the payments use case um, useful and, 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 and that will give it more, more value. So to answer your question, I, I think yes, but we're probably still five years or so away from, you know, from, from, from that realizing. So PayPal, of course, being the, the global uh, payments, payments app, they made it possible um, in 2020 for their, their clients to use the PayPal app to buy and sell crypto. So that's a massive, massive distribution mm-hmm. channel and network that was created for Bitcoin. Earlier this week, PayPal announced that they're now going to make it possible for their customers to spend Bitcoin. So we've seen some of these companies come on board, giving customers exposure, and that's a good thing. Um, yeah. I think over time, as we have more PayPal's out there starting to give customers exposure and to enable Bitcoin payments, I think then we'll reach that point of critical mass and the network effects will kick in. Do you think that part of the reason why we haven't gotten to mass adoption, especially in South Africa, is because financial institutions are not ready to really get behind it? I mean, you've talked about PayPal and um, creating that that network effect, but we haven't heard any stories in South Africa. I remember maybe two years ago, I saw that a, a local spa somewhere was allowing people to buy Bitcoin on a on like a machine at their entrance, but I haven't heard anything else from South African companies um, supporting Bitcoin. Do you think that there's a there's an issue there? So uh, people must trust that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency first before they will start to to use it. So we um, people currently trust the, the the financial system. They or most people most people trust their bank. They trust their asset manager. And a lot of that is because of because they've got a good track record. So they've been around for some of them hundred you know, more than hundred years. They're regulated by the sort of African Reserve Bank and other regulators. So that gives them a lot of and gives consumers a lot of comfort. In the crypto world, we do have, and I think South Africa is punching the market's weight when it comes to crypto, the crypto market, and the infrastructure we have in South Africa. So we've got three or four local cryptocurrency platforms or businesses that you know makes it possible for customers to buy and sell Bitcoin. These are well-run companies and they, they've got good products and they do things by the book. Um, and, and so I think access is becoming easier for people. Mm-hmm. So um, so access is becoming easier um, and over time people will, you know, as soon as they do their first transaction and they, they, they learn to trust the platform, I think that we will trust. But a critical point in ESA will be the introduction of regulations um, that will give consumers comfort. Yeah. These platforms, crypto platforms, must safeguard customer information. So you provide them with your ID number and your ID details. And secondly, they must safeguard your your money, your your, your Bitcoin. And um, so, so regulations will ensure you know that, that that these platforms have got the capabilities to to do exactly that to safeguard information and funds. And that will give the, the, the market some comfort that they can engage. But as I said, you know, Luno is a local grown company. We've been around since 2013. We have a team of 400 people at Luno. And um, we have, in, just in our Cape Town office, we've got 250 to 300 people working there. So, so it's a growing market. 
Um, we, we're seeing increase in, in interest. We're seeing some corporates actually. So, so Investec, for example, last year announced that they are busy piloting a, a Bitcoin custody project. So yeah. what that means is that Investec will make it possible, if this thing goes through, will make it possible for their clients to send to transfer their Bitcoin into the Investec account so that they have their brands and their savings and their Bitcoin all under one roof at Investec. So we're seeing early signs of South African companies starting to dip their toes into the world of crypto and yeah, so, but it will take time. Okay, cool. Makes sense. Um, from what I've seen, cryptocurrency is quite volatile. And in my view, it's because there's there's herd mentality. I, I think probably at Luna or January was probably your, your busiest month with all of the, um, with crypto going that high. But I see that there's quite this herd mentality that we fall into very easily to think that Something is a really smart investment because all your friends are talking about it or it's covered so much in the media. So for me, like in share investing, you can attribute poor returns to something. You know, you can look at the market and say, okay, cool, this ETF performed well because this commodity in the world has um, had high demand. Therefore, the ETF performed well. So how do you do that here? Let's say you invested in cryptocurrency. How do you how do you attribute the what what do you attribute the performance to? So let's unpack the the, the factors that can influence the Bitcoin price, and, and yeah. it's actually very similar to the factors that influence the price of commodities and the prices of of stocks. So from a crypto perspective, things like Trade wars. So when when we when the China and the US trade war kicked off in, in 2019, I think, and that boosted the price of Bitcoin. So the price of Bitcoin rallied a bit because of uncertainty linked to the US dollar, and 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 so investors got nervous, and some of them entered the crypto markets. Um, so that that had a positive impact on the Bitcoin price. So global uncertainty, and that's that's so so some people view Bitcoin as an emerging safe haven asset. So. In the past, everyone would have you know, looked at or turned to, to gold. These days, gold is still the preferred and by a long mile still the preferred, but some of the investors that put money into gold now also take small positions in Bitcoin. So it's been viewed as an emerging safe haven asset. So it, it's usually um, decoupled from other commodities. So there's a low correlation historically. So things like trade wars, things like the global financial crisis caused by coronavirus. That's why the Bitcoin price rallied over the last couple of months, it's because of all the global uncertainty. And we've had lots of institutions in the US turn to Bitcoin to hedge and, and to diversify their portfolios and to hedge against inflation. Then you look at things like, um, now on the downside, things like um, a hack. So if there's a security breach at an exchange, a global exchange, Bitcoin got stolen. And that's again because of a lack of expertise. Some of these exchanges just pop up overnight. And so consumers and investors should do their homework before they settle on an exchange. They should go and read up about the directors, about the business presence and social media reviews and stuff. But say so there's a hack, then that would influence the market negatively because there's a there's fear and people would, would, would take their money out. And then similar, when regulators announce the intentions, when there's a ban in certain markets like we saw in Nigeria recently. Uh, so that also typically would, would lead to uncertainty and people would, would get scared. So those are the main factors, actually similar to the, 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 the traditional financial markets, you know, mm. those factors. Um, but because of Bitcoin's 
fixed supply, it creates an environment, and we experience this now, where um, the demand is greater than the supply. So investors are buying up more Bitcoin that gets produced or that gets put into the, 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 the system or get, that gets put into, the, into the, the industry on a monthly basis. And that pushes up the price because there's a, there's a supply crunch. So that is what we've experienced over the last couple, the last couple of months. Having said that, it's very difficult to forecast the Bitcoin price in the short run. It's impossible. I can't tell you uh, we, we expect the price to, to appreciate by 10%. If anyone you know, speculates and, and, and say eight or nine or try and put a percentage to it in the short run, they 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 um, throwing a punch in the air. Over the medium to long term, you know, if we look at historical trends and we look at the price, take a step back over the last five years or so, you will see there's a clear trend and that's an upward trend. Doesn't mean that it's guaranteed. So the price can come down again as well. So people should really decide, you know, are they in it for the long run? Then they allocate a small percentage of their money into Bitcoin and not put all the eggs in one basket. And if they don't, if they can't afford to lose the money and they're in it because of greed, then maybe it's not the best tool for them. Maybe they can start with 20 bucks and yeah. first you know, uh, eye, eye the market. So that's yeah, you know, that's that's just an overview of you know what 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 impacts the price. But investors like it because it's not tightly correlated with stocks and with gold and some of the other assets that people buy. Okay, cool. Um, I know everyone is curious. There are so many different types of crypto now. We've talked about Bitcoin, and in initially you mentioned that it's one type of crypto. Um, so now there's all these different names, and let's say somebody. Um, out there listening, they have a few thousand rand and they want to invest in something that they know is high risk and they're curious about crypt the crypto space. How do you go about evaluating a coin? So you you get, uh, I think more than 9,000 coins exist actually, or, or there's something I've lost track, it's 9,000 or so. And, and unfortunately, 90 to 95% of those coins, we probably fairly you know, comfortably classified for them as scams, or they don't have sufficient liquidity. Meaning if you buy that coin through a platform, you're not guaranteed, you're not guaranteed you know, that you'll be able to sell or close your position. So it's yeah. not very liquid. So we at Lino go through a very strict vetting process. So before we decide to list any coins, we currently support six cryptocurrencies out of mm-hmm. the total of thousands and before we decide on listing a coin we go through a checklist so firstly um that coin must have utility so it, it must be something that's unique and new that's not that doesn't exist in the market uh, already and there must be a customer demand for that there's no use in listing a random coin um, and there's no demand for that coin yeah secondly um there must be some level of traction like in the form, in the form of bitcoin or ethereum so it must be easy for customers to buy and sell. They shouldn't struggle to sell or exit their position. It should have a, track record, a, a, a solid track record. And then thirdly, security is important. So we look at the teams and the people behind that coin, the, whether they've got you know, the expertise and capabilities to develop and, and maintain the, the, the code behind the coin. So a couple of things. So if you knew and you've not, you know, you've not dipped your toes into crypto at all, my advice would be to start with Bitcoin. It's the most popular of the total cryptocurrency market capitalization, so that's the number of cryptocurrencies in circulation multiplied by the market price of the cryptocurrencies, the price is 1.8 trillion US dollars. Bitcoin's market cap 
is 1.15 trillion US dollars. So it's got more than 50% share of the total market capitalization. It's the most widely accepted coin. And it's probably the the coin with the most liquidity as well. So you can exit your position without slippage and and without incurring any selling, any losses when you try and sell it. So, So I would say start with Bitcoin is the easiest. We offer six or five or six other coins. Most, not all of them are safe. Um, but I think given that, that Bitcoin is uh, the, the de facto crypto for most people out there, I would say start with Bitcoin. Other coins like USD coins, USDC, and it's a cryptocurrency that's backed by the US dollar. So it has, it, it's, it's more stable. It's not as volatile as Bitcoin. It follows the, 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 the movement of the, the, the US dollar. So people buy that. To well, some of them buy to investment because they want to put their money in, in US dollar, and others use it for payments because it's more stable and it's it's better to use it for transfers um, as compared to Bitcoin with, with a very volatile price. Then you get coins like Litecoin, which is similar to Bitcoin, but the transactions clear faster. So it's it's not as appealing as an investment, but people use it for payments. And same with XRP. So different. Coins, different use cases, but if we look at total market capitalization and total level of awareness and and liquidity, Bitcoin is the safest one to start with. Okay, cool. So I would assume that somebody wouldn't, shouldn't think about being diversified in the crypto space right now because it's so volatile and there aren't so many options to choose from. Or would you say if there are six, for example, within the Luna framework, then one can think about diversifying their portfolio within crypto. Yes, so, so again, you know, you would have, you would have to take a step back and, and look at your overall portfolio and how much mm. you want to allocate to cryptocurrency. If you've got a space for cryptocurrency and you understand it and you understand the risks, namely price volatility being one, being one of the biggest risks, yeah. Um, then yeah, you can look at the diversifying. Um, I know some platforms... In SA and internationally, offer bundle buys, which are easy equity. So you buy, you invest 500 bucks and they give you exposure to eight or 10 different cryptocurrencies without you having to go and buy each individual coin. Mm. On Luna, if you want exposure to Ethereum or USDC or Litecoin, you would have to buy each of those coins individually. They tend to move in the same direction. So they, they there's a high level of correlation compared to crypto versus currencies and crypto versus stocks and, and the stock market. So they tend to move in a similar direction, but sometimes, you know, there's some level of diversification. So, so uh, it, it's not, it, it's, 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 um, it's correlated in the most of them, but you know, if you want exposure to most or to more than just Bitcoin, then buy them individually, or you can look for bundle buys on, on platforms and easy equities, I think as a bundle buy that you can look into yeah. as well. They do. And um, so you touched a little bit on Ethereum and I've always heard um, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency and Ethereum being talked to in the same sort of space. Do you mind just explaining what um, Ethereum is? So Ethereum is the second um, biggest cryptocurrency according to market capitalization. It has a market cap of 200 and just over 200 billion US dollars. It um, people currently buy if, uh, if, so Ethereum is the network. Ether is the, the cryptocurrency people can buy. 
people buy it for investment purposes as well. Mm-hmm. But the Ethereum blockchain offers smart contract functionality. So it offers more than the Bitcoin network. So it's a it's a, it's a it's it's an interesting um, you know use case people have explored um, tokenizing digital identity. So so putting your ID number and auditors on a blockchain uh, in a smart contract. So people have looked at um, tokenizing your title deed to your property, putting that on a, on a smart contract. So that when certain conditions have, have been met, so for example, when you've settled your, your loan in full, then that contract executes automatically on the Ethereum blockchain and the, the transfer of the, the ownership goes from the bank to your name or, or vice versa, and that happens automatically. So, um, so the Ethereum blockchain um, is used for um, the creation, the, the launch of smart contracts, which is probably worth a separate podcast. I to think un- so. To back that. But, <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot of people buy it for uh, still, more, still for speculative and investment purposes as well. Okay, cool. All right. So let's say you want to dabble into this. Uh, you've talked about a majority of the well. Basically, the majority of the rest of the Bitcoins are scams. I feel like anybody, because of the hype, anybody could be low-hanging fruit for these scams. So how do you avoid being scammed? What do you look out for? Yeah, I'm very glad you touched on this point. I think, firstly, um, your your bank or your asset manager, um, whether you have your savings with X, Y, Z, they will never reach out to you via social media uh, and send you a direct message saying, I can double your return, I can give you 10% interest per day. So similar, cryptocurrency exchanges won't SMS you, won't reach out to you through direct message on Instagram, on Telegram, to try and convince you to buy Bitcoin. We're not allowed to do that in any case. So if you receive a direct message from any person on social media, asking you to put your money with them and trust them, step away immediately because it's 100% possible that you will, will, will get scammed. A lot of people mm. get scammed through social media at this point. Yes. So oh, if you want to get started, there's somebody in my inbox selling me Bitcoin. No. Mm. No, it's bad. And, and they can be so convincing, but people mm. just have to step back. Um, don't even engage in a discussion because these people can be so persuasive and they can promise you this. And also, a lot of them pose as Luna agents or Luna employees. We don't have a sales team. We don't have people that go around selling crypto to people directly. We don't have that. Okay. It's not like a, a you know, property or, or car sales or any of the others. So, and so, so that's one. And secondly, people often receive, and you've probably received one as well, SMSs um, claiming to be from Luna and mm. saying that you have to activate your account immediately. That's just a way or trick to get people to enter their login details, to provide their audit details. Um, and, and then the, the frauds just use that information on the real you know, website and they, they enter and they access that way. So, 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 that's, so those are things to, to look out for and in general. No social media scams, phishing SMSs, don't click on any links. Um, and, but once you have the Lino app installed and you, you have an account, there are a couple of things that, we, that you can do to protect yourself, to add extra layer of security. The first one is if you buy Bitcoin and you see it as an investment, you don't intend to transact and send it out, then there's an option to disable sends in the Luna app. So you can go, you can disable sends, and should someone get access to your Luna account, then there's a process to go through to enable sends again 
uh, Bitcoin sends and there's a 24-hour cool-off period. And, and so that gives you protection. And then secondly, people can enable one-time pins or refer to as two-factor authentication. So yeah. when someone gets access to your account, they enable, you know, um, then they, they will be required to enter a one-time pin or two-factor authentication code on your account. Many people don't do that. Scammers obtain their login details. They either guess it because people use the same login details for many different accounts, Facebook and all of the other accounts. So people, so scammers guess the details or they hack the email and then they get access to the rest of the, the accounts. So firstly, use a unique password, a strong password. Don't use the same password across different platforms. So yeah, so things that, 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 that you should do to protect your account, but you also need to be very, very vigilant and, and not trust random people uh, approaching you. And, and I always use this example, if you have cash in your pocket and you walk down the road and there's someone sitting at a table, a random table, let's say next to you know, a taxi rank, and that person is saying, I give me your money, I'll give you, I'll double you your money in the next week. Will you give your order and cash to that person sitting at the table? You won't. So why would you give your money to a stranger posing with a, a, a chain on Instagram and, and give your money to that person? So don't do it. Step away. And that's that's um, but that's the most the most popular way in which people get scammed, unfortunately, through social media. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that's quite a good analogy to say you wouldn't give your money away to a stranger anyway. So you need to make sure that you're comfortable um, to who you're parting your money to. So tell me, what does the typical buyer or investor of crypto on Luno look like? Um, are you attracting mostly millennials or um, older generations? That's a that's an interesting question, and and so we, we have a diverse customer base. You'd be surprised to see the the number of people older than forty five fifty. Um, mm. So so lots of older people, but I would say the bulk of our customers are millennials. So between born between nineteen eighty and you know in the nineteen nineties. So so most millennials. <clears throat> sorry, um, we we we've got. We see more female, um, more women buying crypto than compared That's to the traditional financial world. So I, I think the last time I checked the research, I think 28 or 30% was the percentage of women uh, in the traditional investment world. And we, we, we see more women buying, buying crypto than, than buying, you know, women buying shares, for example. So it's closer to 40% on Luna. So it's, it's, it's more equal. And the typical profile will be someone... You know, hope, hopefully with discretionary income that they can mm. afford to lose, that you know, people speculate. We're seeing a lot of people buying Bitcoin on a monthly basis. So on payday, people send money in on a monthly basis mm. and they buy. And, and that way they, they, they ran cost average and they, they, they get in and they, they ride the, the dips and the highs and they average their price. And yeah, so towards the end of the year, it's, it's funny you know, around when people get the bonuses, you typically see, a, see an influx in, in, in money onto the platform. And then you have traders, people buying and selling. Some of them do it full-time and as the, the main source of income. They trade, they buy, sell, they, they trade on a daily basis. So they they would trade low margin, so take tiny, tiny profits, but but trade high volume. And so that's obviously risky because you, you can also lose money that way. So it's really, it's a mixed bag. And then in certain markets like Nigeria, we see people using Bitcoin for payments. You know, uh, more people using it for payments compared to SA. Oh, and that is because of challenges that they experience in Nigeria. Yeah, so there, there's a shortage of US dollar in Nigeria, firstly. So mm. people 
wanting to access dollar um, for business purposes, they some of them have looked at cryptocurrency because it's it's easier to to combine, easier to access. So, but then we, we also recently launched a Bitcoin savings wallet, so customers can put their Bitcoin in a Lunar Bitcoin savings wallet and an interest on on their Bitcoin in Bitcoin. And so we've seen 50,000 or so South African customers enable the Bitcoin savings wallets. So, so that's also some people taking a longer term view with no intention of selling in the short run. They put in a savings account and, and, and interest that way as well. So, but it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. It's very diverse, to be honest. Cool. Well, this has been so informative for me, Nana, and I think um, my listeners will benefit from this conversation. The last question I have for you is, um, the show is called Strip Money Conversations, and I often ask my guests to strip down one money term for our listeners. It can be anything. It can be outside of the world of cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. or maybe you can explain for them something that is often misunderstood in your sphere. What would that be for you? Okay, so I'll unstrip, I'll unstrip one crypto term, and, and okay. people often refer to to um, when you when you hold Bitcoin and you've got no intention to sell, people refer to them as hodlers, H O D L E R. So hold on for yeah. dear life, and that's a term that people use in the cryptocurrency space. So um, people you know, people that are bullish, they often refer to as hodlers because they hold okay. on for dear life, regardless of price dips and regardless of price volatility, because they take a long term view. So that's an interesting one. And then a common crypto myth is that you have to buy one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy one Bitcoin. None of us have got 900,000 rand lying around. So you can, you can buy a fraction. You can buy 10 rands with a Bitcoin on Luna and, and, and start that way. You don't have to start with 10 or 20 or 30,000 rand. So a lot of people start small. They do 50, 100 rand payment and test out the platform. Um, and once they... I figured it out in that got more comfort to do to do a bit more. So so yeah, you don't have to buy one Bitcoin, you can buy a fraction. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, Marius, you're clearly passionate about this and you're trying to move the needle and get us all educated about cryptocurrency. So I really appreciate that. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Billy. It was great chatting to you. And hopefully we can get to connect again in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Stripped Money Conversations. Thank you so much for your time. You have been listening to an episode of Stripped Money Conversations. Please share the love by subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And let me know what you thought of this show on social media. Just search Strip Money Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have topic suggestions, please slide into my DM and let's see if we can make it happen. Have a good day.